Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. I was going to college, the University of Missouri. Um, for two, almost three years, I had an awesome car that I rode through there, uh, through those years, and I think it should show up here shortly. We having a problem with, oh, there we go. Go ahead to the next one, yeah. That was the car that I drove. Now, I mean, that's not actually the car, but that's the, the way it looked, and that's the kind it was. Um, pretty cool, right? Pick Glenda up and drive around in it and had fun with it. Um, and I didn't really understand what it was probably worth or would be worth. If I had that car today and it was in good shape, it'd be worth fifteen to $20,000. But so somewhere along the way, while I was going to college, I got this thing, you know, Honda was around, it was a new car, and they had the new model, the CVCC, and, and uh, you're supposed to get 40 miles to the gallon, and, and this was back when I thought gas had become so expensive, you remember? Anyway, uh, so I traded this in for a Honda Civic. I got $700 on a trade-in for that car, and got that. Hey, that's a great car. I mean, I drove it for a number of years. I drove it up. In fact, when we first moved up here, I drove it up here. And we had it here for a while. And I know for a fact that that thing will do 110 miles an hour downhill on the Mass Pike. <laughs> and that's a stupid thing to do, but that's another. Okay, I wanted to see how fast it would actually go. But what I, what I want to say to you this morning is this, is that I didn't know the value of what I had. I didn't understand the values there. I, I knew what I had and I knew what I wanted and, you know, and really wasn't aware of, of those values. You might say those competing values. Have, have you ever had something, you ever possessed something that you didn't really understand the value of? Anybody like that? Yeah, you know, a, a bunch of us have. And then at a later date you find out. How, how many of you have ever watched the Antique Roadshow? That is so fun, you know, when you get a chance. Sometimes it's boring, but other times it's pretty cool. And so they tell the person, you know, they look at them and they say, well, you know, we think this is worth $12.99. And they go, $1,299? And they go, no, $12.99. Right? Or they find something that's been kicking around the attic. They say they figure it might be worth a few bucks. And they look and they say, well, this is probably worth $7,000, you know? And they always try to act calm. Oh, 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 Really? Okay, but so when it comes to stuff, but when it comes to stuff like this, stuff, getting the values wrong isn't the end of the world, is it? It's just stuff that fades away eventually, and when we die, we leave it all behind. But do you want to come to the end of your life and be looking back and say, oh, wow, if I'd only known this, if I'd only understood the value of this and, and that this wasn't that value, but if only I had, I don't know about you, I don't want to be lying on my deathbed with any more regrets than I already have. And, and, and we don't want to face the end of our lives that way, and, but think about this, how much worse would it be not to face just the end of your life, but to find yourself stepping into eternity with those kinds of regrets? What you thought was valuable in life and what you invested your life in. And by the way, I don't believe in heaven that we're going to experience continual regret. 
But I do believe that the Bible is pretty clear that at the judgment seat of Christ, when he, he evaluates what those of us who have trusted him as Savior, so let's just, some of you may be new to us here, and we'll talk a little bit more about it in the sermon, but uh, once a person, once and for all, trusts Christ as Savior, makes that decision, then your sins are forgiven, you receive eternal life, and so you go to heaven forever. But for those of us who have done that, there is a judgment seat for us where what we have done in life is judged. It's evaluated. Was it good? Was it bad? Was it the kind of things that were really valuable or was it a waste? Those kinds of things. And the Bible seems to indicate pretty clearly that that judgment, we will experience regret for all the things that we invested our lives in that ultimately were not of eternal value. So, but, but the thing about it, but the ramifications of that then are eternal, aren't they? Because you can't go back and fix it. You're starting from wherever you are. That's the way it is. And so how, getting the valuation of, of these kinds of things right really matters. You know, you don't get the valuation of a car. Not the biggest deal in the world. You don't get it on that thing out of your attic. You say, you know. But when you're talking about issues of life, getting the values right really matters. And so in the passage of Scripture we're looking at as we continue our sermon series on road trip to a life you'll be thrilled to live, in our passage today, the Apostle Paul is trying to get us to get our valuations right. What we value is very important. What we say is not all that important. And then to rearrange our lives accordingly. So let's, let's pray here as we go into God's Word. Father, I do thank you for your Word that it is perfect and complete uh, and that it is living, and that you use it to speak to us. And we pray as we look to it today that your spirit would take your word, enable us to understand it, and then enable each of us where we're at in life to hear from you about what it means for us. And I pray you'll be glorified by our heart's response in this. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's turn in our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. If you uh, don't have a Bible with you here today, there's a Bible in the pew, that uh, black Bible in the pew, and we're going to be on page 1350. We encourage you to follow along with us uh, because we're going to work our way through some verses here. Now here in Philippians chapter 3, last week we started in it, and we saw how, how Paul said, uh, you know, started describing flesh. And, and I'll be honest with you, I really wrestled, and I think some of you could probably tell, struggled with trying to get you to understand what flesh is. Uh, on the face of it, when most people in our culture would hear flesh, what do they think? This, right? This is your flesh. Uh, I remember, you know, growing up, I, I loved it, loved it. You know, watch the old westerns, right? And they'd be like, shoot out, and somebody gets shot, and they say, you're right, and they say, just a flesh wound. Okay, so flesh, that's what we think of. But nobody else used to watch and think it was cool. To... And of course, when we played... You know, shooting. You never got killed. You always got a flesh wound. So, um, what I want you to know here for just a moment this is a total sidetrack, rabbit trail. This kind of stuff goes through my mind the whole time I'm speaking to you, and most of the time I decide not to say it. <laughs> okay? Um, but when the Bible talks about flesh, sometimes it's talking about flesh and bones, but more often than not when it's talking about it in our lives as Christians trying to evaluate, the flesh is the opposite of spirit. Okay? The flesh is us doing our own thing, what comes natural to us, doing what makes sense to us, apart from Christ, apart from God, apart from his word, apart from his ways. We're just doing our own thing. And, and 
Flesh in our world can um, look really ugly. It can, right? You have the person who you can envision, uh, you know, lying in the gutter, drunken, covered with his own vomit. We see flesh and we go, yeah, that's ugly. But flesh can dress itself up real nice too, can it? Can wear a three-piece suit and, and talk eloquently. But it's still flesh. It's still not about God. It's not about Christ. It's, it's us human beings doing our own thing separate from God, which is the way we're born. Okay, And, and we, we can live that way. Can Christians live that way? Absolutely Christians can live that way. Now, Christ lives in them, and, and the Holy Spirit's going to be saying, let's don't live that way, but you can still live that way. And this is what Paul is talking about. He's challenging. He says, you know, all that stuff can look good. And he said, hey, if you're talking about looking good, here's the way I looked. And he lists this long list of accomplishments that he had done. But he said it was flesh. It wasn't about Christ. It wasn't about God. And it was real religious, and it still wasn't about God. So what we want to do is pick up kind of where we left off last week in verse number 7. And he says this. But what things were gained to me in this area? He just got through talking about flesh. What things were gained to me in the area of living by the flesh? These I have counted loss for Christ. Now, what does he mean when he says loss? Well, the word that's translated loss here means this. It means injury, detriment or detrimental, damaging. And so Paul is saying here, hey, all those things that really worked for me in the flesh and, and built me up in the flesh and made me look good in the eyes of other people, made me look respectable and poor, all that stuff did damage to me when it came to having a relationship with God. It was detrimental to me coming to know God and knowing Christ. Now, so we're talking about devaluation of things. So I want you to really try to get it into your heart and mind today, this idea that the flesh is always detrimental to you. And it does damage to you as you try to know Christ and live a Christian life, the life of Christ in you. That it's damaging, it's always damaging. It is of no value when it comes to the things that really matter. Okay? So he says, so I've, I've reached a conclusion, I see that all the stuff that was flesh hurt me and was a waste. Then he continues in verse number eight. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now, a lot of words there. Let's see if we can just kind of unpack this because he really says a lot here. And the first thing he says, I, I count all things loss, everything that's not about Christ. He says, because I've learned about the excellence of Christ. And this word excellence means to excel. It means superiority. It means supreme. And so if we're talking about valuation here, Paul is saying, and, and I'm going to switch this for my own sake if you don't mind, but I'm going to put flesh on this side today and Christ on this side, okay? So all of this idea of flesh, he says, I realize it was, it's, it's detrimental to me. It, it keeps me from the things that really matter. And I've come to understand that Christ is, is superior. He is supreme. He's so much, that, like, it's like there's no comparison almost. You can't even compare him because it's so far beyond. And so he says, I realize all that stuff works against me. How much of the flesh works against me? 
You guys convinced of that in your own life? It all works against you. It's all detrimental to you. I mean, we want to, we, here's what we want to do. We want to try to figure out how to have Christ be supreme, but I, I'm going to bring this one over here with me and this piece with me. We, we try to figure out how to do that, but Paul says, no, it's what? All, all, all detrimental, all damaging. And Christ is superior. He is supreme. He is worth knowing. In fact, that's what he says here. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Look this word up. It's very interesting because we think of knowledge as facts, right? Information. But this word, this translated knowledge here, means more than that. It means a seeking to know. It's making an inquiry. It's, it's an investigation. And so Paul is telling us this. And actually, Matt, I think, prayed about it in his prayer at the end of worship. When will we finally know everything there is to know about Christ? When will we ever know him completely? Yet yeah, we won't even heaven. In heaven, we'll know way beyond what we know here. But God is infinite in all that he is. And so to know him means to keep getting to know him. It's a process. And, and, and this is exciting me because over here, flesh, this is the way it is. This is the way we are. It's just the, the, the reality by nature. But he says over here, it's not even about really knowing him completely. It's about getting to know him. Somehow or rather, getting to know him is superior to anything else. The whole process. It's like every day I get to know him better. Every day, every moment, every year. It's, wow, I've learned something new. And it's changing my life. It's worth knowing. So the excellence of seeking to know Christ and everything related to know him, he, Paul says the process itself is far superior than living in the flesh. And living in the flesh is always detrimental. Always does damage to you. In other words, you're saying, I want to come to know Christ. Well, you allow flesh to stay in your life, it does damage to that process. So we have this structure here that Paul is, is, is kind of putting in place. He's, talking, he's comparing what we gain and what we lose. Okay? And so he says when you gain in the area of flesh, you lose in the area of knowing Christ. But if you decide to lose the flesh and, and, and see it's debt, you know, acknowledge for what it is, that becomes gain for you in knowing Christ and getting to know him. Another thing that Paul is making clear here is that you cannot ride the fence between flesh and Christ. Now, I mean, it's, it's, when we're trying to give you a picture of it, it seems like here's flesh, here's, here's Christ. Well, I can, I can hold the line in the middle. But it doesn't work that way. Because in the Christian life, you're either moving this way or you're moving this way. One or the other. They, they are mutually exclusive to each other. And so whatever increases, one of them automatically decreases the other. So here we go. Verse 8, he says, I count all things lost for the excellence of knowing, you know, Christ Jesus, the growing knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Anything else does damage to me. And so in verse 8, he says, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I've given it up all of it. I've just given up on all of that stuff. I'm not going there anymore. It's not my life anymore. 
And Paul wasn't perfect. I mean, he talks about other places where he struggled, but the idea, he made that decision. Not this anymore. It's this. And he says, so I've given that all up. All the things that the world thinks are so important. All the things that he had devoted his life to. And you may be here today thinking, you know, you've been influenced by the world. We all have, right? And you may think some things here are so important in this area, and you've worked so hard to get them. But when you understand the valuation that Paul's trying to get us to, you're going to go, what? Oh, no. I don't want that anymore. I want this. He says, in fact, when I look at it now, it's rubbish. That's what, I, that's what he says, right? For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Rubbish. This word rubbish means what's thrown to the dogs, but it gets worse than that. We talked about it last week. Very literally defined, it also means excrement, feces, sewage. That's what Paul's saying when he looks at it. Looks at the flesh approach to life and says, that's what it really is. And I've purposely thrown it away because of what it is. I've thrown it away. I count it loss. It's, it's obviously refuse. It's obviously waste. And so we could ask Paul the question and we can ask ourselves the question. What are you getting in exchange for what you're giving up? Do you realize you're giving up something today? Every day of your life you're making a choice to give up something, aren't you? You're giving up something for something else. Every choice you make is a choice to not do something and to do something. Well, what are you getting in exchange for your choices? Are you giving up gross garbage and sewage to gain a growing relationship with Christ? Or are you giving up getting to know Christ to wallow around in the gross garbage and sewage of life? And remember, that can look real respectable. So don't think, I don't do all those bad things. No, well, if you're walking in the flesh and your life is built that way, you are. So verse number nine, he says this then. Excuse me, the end of verse eight. And count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ in knowing him. Uh, that is beneficial to me. And be found in him. I, I think this is interesting. It's almost like Paul says, hey, if you want to find me, find Christ, I'll be there. Right? I'll be found in Christ. You're looking for me? Find Christ. That's where I will be. And, and not only that, I'm not going to have my own righteousness, which is when we're trying to, by nature, over here in the flesh, we still try to figure out how we're good people. Does anybody remember how the Bible describes the Israelites in the book of Judges when they uh, were trying to make decisions about how to live? It said every person did what? Does anybody remember? what was right in his own eyes. Flesh. And so we build this with what's right and wrong and all this kind of stuff. And Paul says, no, no, no. You can't get right, and you can't get right out of that. So the righteousness that I'm going to have is the righteousness that Christ has given me. He gave it to me when I got saved, and he's helping me to know it more and more as I grow in my relationship with him. Okay? Not that which is from the law, that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. So he's changing me. And then verse number 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Now, it sounded pretty good up until now, didn't it? 
Oh, knowing Christ and growing in this and understanding and righteousness. And then he says, because I really want to know what it means to die like he did. Whoa, wait a minute. That doesn't sound so fun, does it? But Paul's trying to get us to see the valuation. And he's not saying bad stuff, he's saying good stuff. So let's talk about this. Again, that I may know him. The same idea as the other time we looked at the word knowledge. It means to be taking in knowledge. That I may continue to learn more about Christ. That I may continue to understand more what it means. That I may continue to recognize the truth of, of how this you know, lives itself out in life. And, and by the way, this word, it's talked about to know, uh, very often communicates a relationship between the one learning and the one being learned about. That's where we are as Christians, isn't it? Relationship. We have a relationship with Christ and then we grow in it and we grow in it and we grow in it and we grow and it. it becomes more and more valuable each and every day. That I may come to know this one that I'm in relationship with. You see, we have an inseparable relationship with Christ. Aren't you glad of that today? If you have trusted Christ as Savior, what did he say? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always to the end. That's good to know, isn't it? We have an inseparable relationship with Christ. And, and, and knowing him and growing in our knowledge and understanding of him is just... It's, it's beyond value and what, what we can consciously think to value. Why in the world would we stay over here and live this life? But we do. I find myself struggling sometimes with trying to hang on to part of this. Do you? I find myself in times in life where I had a whole bunch that's kind of just standing over here, living over here. I need to be and want to be over there. So... But we have this inseparable relationship with Christ. And now listen here, carefully. You could have been attending here for 30 years and need to hear this possibly. You may be your first day and you need to hear this. You cannot come to know Christ like Paul is talking about until you have a personal relationship with him. And a personal relationship with him is not about saying, oh, I believe in God. It's not like I have an intellectual, no, you enter into a personal relationship with Christ when you understand that you have sinned against God. We've all sinned. Every one of us have, have blown it, haven't we? If we're honest, we've all blown it. We've, we've violated his command somewhere. And so we have sinned against a holy God. The Bible very clear, if that doesn't get taken care of, we will die and go to hell eternally, separated from God in the place of torment. And, and we can't fix that ourselves. We can't go back and somehow or other be good enough. In fact, if you don't have a relationship with Christ and you're trying to be good enough, which side are you on? You're like Paul was over here, trying to be good, be good, be good. It's all flesh. It's, it's rubbish. It's waste. It's actually it's getting in your way. If you're trying to be good enough to gain a relationship with God, that's flesh. It's lost. It, it means it's detrimental to you. It's damaging to your Ability to have a relationship with Christ. What you have to do is say, I have so blown it. Christ, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. And so I'm trusting what you did. You paid the penalty for my sins. And I'm, now this is the way I am. I need you. I trust you as my Savior. One time decision. 
And when you do that, not only does he forgive every sin and you get eternal life, but he starts that relationship with you. He himself, God of the universe, comes to somehow or rather live within you and start changing you. And one thing he's going to start doing is saying, look, that's flesh. Come on, let's go this way. But so it starts with a relationship with him. And you can do that at any point. You can do it right now or you can talk to us after. We'd be thrilled to help you with it. So let's look here. Again, verse 10. So he says, that I may know him, that I may continue growing in my knowledge of him. Also that I may know the power of his resurrection. This is, what kind of power is it that raises somebody from the dead? I mean, that's just, it's really beyond us almost to comprehend, isn't it? I mean, I've been around a lot of dead people, okay? And, and, and so if you have my line of work, the ministry, I end up being around people who are dead. Sometimes I'm with the family and the person has died and then the family leaves and I've hung around until they come and get the body. I don't, dead people are really dead. I, I don't know how to express it. So to uh, fathom the power that brings life back, is just huge. It's a miraculous, enabling power, a life-changing power. It's supernatural. It's not natural. Definitely not flesh. So Paul's saying, I want a life that's not flesh at all. It's, it's this life of Christ, a life from the dead. And then he says, being conformed to his death. The fellowship of his sufferings can be conformed to his death. We get the idea of conformed, made like, okay? But really this word here includes the idea of being assimilated into. That somehow or other I, I come into his death as well. And, and let me explain. I think what's going on here. When I think about on my own and this whole flesh thing, do you know how easy flesh comes to me? How easy does it come to you? It comes easy, doesn't it? It's who we are by birth physical birth, natural to us. And so at some point, you reach the thing and say, you know what, the only way I'm ever going to be free from that is when I die. Bingo! And the buzzer goes off, wah, 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 you're the winner. That's true. The only way you escape the flesh is to die. And so somehow or other, we die with Jesus. I have to die to this in order to become alive to that. I have to die to this old natural way of living if I want to rise to the new miraculous working and power of Christ in my life. And then verse number 11 he says, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Let's make sure we're clear on this. Paul is not talking about some future time when he hoped that he would rise again from the dead. That's settled. He knows Jesus. That's settled. The future's settled. He's talking about right now the way he's living. He's talking about experiencing in his life today this different kind of life, this resurrected life, the, the life that's now free from the old flesh. He said, that's what I want to experience today. And then he said, what were the first three words there? Or if, what, by any means. What's he telling us here? He's making a value statement, isn't he? He's saying, whatever it takes 
to have this is worth it. Whatever it takes. Now I want you to think in your life what that might mean. Whatever it takes. Paul says it's worth it. And it's not just Paul saying it because the Holy Spirit led him to write these words. So it's God saying it. That it is worth whatever it takes. And so we complete our passage for today. And You understand Paul is like an addict here, isn't he? Paul's coming across like an addict. But he's addicted to something that's good and positive. He's addicted to this ongoing ever-growing experience of knowing Christ. Now, um, how many of you in here have ever been runners? I mean, you've actually been a runner. Okay, quite a few of you. You'll know what I'm talking about. I, there was a time in my life when I was a runner. I'm not now. But there's, some, there's, there's running, when you run and, and you run long enough, you know, you run three miles, four miles, all of a sudden there's something that happens to you physically and it's a brain chemistry thing and they talk about a runner's high. Okay? And, and so when runners can't run, they start to feel this little bit of agitation and restlessness. Not necessarily even conscious of what it is, but they, they go run and then they feel better. But the idea is they've experienced something that keeps pulling them back into, I mean, toward that experience. And Paul says that's the way it is with us. He's like an addict here. See, I've had something happen. I've experienced this. And oh, I want more. And in fact, I've given everything else up to have this. And that's what an addict does, and it's usually detrimental when we're talking about addicted to this stuff, right? But he's saying very clearly, if by any means, whatever it takes, whatever things of the world he has to give up, nothing else matters to him anymore. Paul is trying to tell us something that he believes is of paramount importance. In fact, he says, everything else fails in comparison. It pales. It just doesn't even, you can't make a comparison, Knowing Christ is so far beyond your natural life. Listen, the flesh and the kind of life it provides is absolutely worthless in comparison to Christ. In fact, it gets in the way of knowing Christ. Remember, it's detrimental. It is damaging. And, and, And so Christ is so far superior, it can't even be compared to the old, ugly, corrupt sewer life. You give up to know him. Well, how do we get our heads, you know, and our hands, our lives around what Paul is saying? How, how do we do that? Um, let's just, just use a, a real practical life example. It's not a spiritual example. But let's assume you, you, you find there's a car that you want. And you don't even necessarily know anything about it, but you have just become convinced that it is the best car that was ever made. And you want this car. But to get this car, you have to trade in your old car. And you're going to trade in your old car for this new car. And what you discover is you're going to get nothing for your trade-in. doesn't matter whether it was plain or fancy or what you pay. doesn't matter. You're getting nothing for it. Go ahead and go to that next slide if you would, John. Yeah, thank you. All right. So you say, i got to have it. Because the only thing that matters to you at this point is, you, is that new car, that perfect car, the car of cars to you. And so they say you're getting nothing for your trade and you say, I don't care. I don't care. I got to have that. Well, how awesome, first of all, would the car you're buying have to be before you'd agree to let your current car go for nothing? Right? It'd be pretty valuable. 
How awesome would knowing Christ have to be before you'd agree to let your entire old way of life go and get nothing for it? Paul says, it's lost, it's gone, rubbish. That's how Paul viewed it, see? No comparison at all between the two. And remember, only two, two choices in life in the area of what your life is going to be about. It's going to be about the Lord Jesus Christ and coming to know him and letting that change the way you think and the way you live and your relationships and your finances and your decisions about work and where you, on and on it goes. Or your life is about anything else. Doesn't matter what the anything else is, right? Because flesh will never honor God. It will never satisfy the needs of your soul. It can't touch those needs. It, it flesh is deceptive. It offers a corrupt counterfeit that leads to death and destruction. It doesn't matter how good it looks on the outside, how dressed up it is, how well respected it is, what cologne it wears, how honored by the culture you live in. It doesn't matter. It's flesh. And so all the benefits are lies and deceptive. And they will be lost forever when your life is over. And they're going to create you a lot of trouble in the meantime. But knowing Christ, and this is where you have to believe this. You have to choose to believe this. Knowing Christ is, is so much better than anything you've ever experienced. And if you're a Christian, knowing him better is better than anything you've ever experienced. Knowing him better tomorrow is going to be a greater experience than you've had with him today. The reason, and the reason you don't know that knowing him is so much better than anything you've ever experienced is because you only know what you know now. You have to, you have to believe. You have to say, okay, God, I, I hear you. Your spirit is speaking to me from your word that I need to turn my back on this and move towards you. And I guarantee you, as you do, each step into that, you'll go, wow, this was the right decision. Wow, I didn't even realize how right this decision was. Oh man, how could I have ever made any other decision? You see what I'm saying? That's the way it's going to go. Your life will be transformed. It will change your life in amazing and powerful ways. And you will be thrilled. But when you're standing here on the edge of this looking at that, you say, I don't see that. Well, we don't walk by faith, the Bible, or by sight. We walk by what? Faith. And so you have to believe and take that step, that first one. And then you will begin to discover that this opens up into what you could never have even imagined. Let me try to give you some examples. And they're, they're silly little examples, but I think you'll get it, okay? Here's the example. We're going to make some comparisons here. It's like going from Sanka Instant Coffee. You remember that? To Starbucks, dark roast, only better. It's like going from driving a VW Beetle to a brand new red Ferrari, only better. It's like going from this broken down shack to a beautiful mansion, what? Only better. It's like going from urban blight out into God's awesome creation, only better. It's like going from any ugly place in life you can imagine to somewhere that's much more desirable. It's only it's better, 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 better. You want me to quit? Better, better. So why keep settling for a counterfeit life? 
the life, the old life, the flesh, the independent of God life. Why keep settling for that? Why keep trying, or, or to maybe to, you have your own little brand of flesh. And you say, yeah, all that stuff's ugly, but you know, this is, I'm kind of trying to bring along with me over here. Why do you keep doing that? Remember what you're holding on to. What is it? We'll use the nice word, sewage. Let's believe that Christ is worth coming to know and continuing to grow in knowing him, that it's worth anything it costs us in life. Let's believe that nothing else compares with the personal relational process of coming to know Christ. And I say to you that whether you understand or not, this is really where you want to go. It really is where we want to go. Remember on this road trip? And last week we talked about what we need to leave behind. We talked about some again today. But today I want you to understand the valuation of where you need to go is so, so worth it. So here at the end, listen. What adjustments do you need to make in your life to move from this to this? Where has this become so important to you? that you need to reevaluate and say, oh, that's way too important. I need to let it go and go here. So what do you need to let go of that isn't working for you? What, what do you need to do to start pursuing this knowing Christ's life? By the way, it doesn't come cheap. We're talking about you know, letting this go and moving. It doesn't come cheap. It takes time. It's going to take time in his word. Take time. It's not about just, okay, I'll get my Bible reading done. No, it takes time with you and God and his word, pondering it, who he is, what does it mean, what's he mean when he says to live this way, and, and letting it saturate your life, soaking it up, time purposely set aside for connecting with him through talking with him. It's about falling in love with these people around you here, the body of Christ, because this is Christ. We are, Christ is in us. And purposely growing in your connection with the body of Christ that you can know Christ better through it. What is it that you're loving now that you need to replace with loving Jesus? What do you really love in your life? You know, whatever needs to happen, it will be worth it. Absolutely worth it. Without a doubt, worth it. And, and if we, as individuals and together as a church, if we will make a conscious choice to pursue this, to, to make changes as needed, to, to get on down the road to where you really want to be with Christ, 